0: so glad you're here. I'm Pastor Chris. For those of you who are new or watching online for the first time, and whether you're here for the first time or you come all the time, thank you for taking time to be here. When I was growing up in Gypsy, Pennsylvania, on Sunday morning, you had two choices, sleep in or go to church. Now you have a hundred choices. I mean, there's hundreds of choices, but you're here. So thank you very much for being here today. We're in the middle of a series that's called Experiencing God, which is on the very front end of a year-long series called Experiencing God Unreserved, or going all in for God. Let me tell you, I know something about some of you. You don't care about going all in for God. You you might not even believe there is a God. Or maybe you're going through such a tough time right now, you're, you're in for God, but you're just trying to get through the day. Regardless of whether you're having a tough time, you're having some failures in your life, you're having struggles in your life, or whether your life's great and you're on a mountaintop right now, this is something that you need to know. God is always at work around you. That's the first reality of experiencing God. There are seven of them, and that first one is so important. It really doesn't matter where we are right now in our lives. God is at work around us. Day and night, you know, summer, winter, spring, fall, all the seasons, year-round, God is at work, and He's working for our good. And whether we believe it or not, that is true. And then last week, Pastor Brad talked about the second reality of experiencing God, which is so incredible. And here it is. God pursues a continuing love relationship with you that is real and personal. I've studied most of the world's religions, and one of the things I've found out is there's not a real and personal God in most of those world religions. They're nebulous forces. Actually, some of them are very antagonistic toward us. But what we're told about the God who reveals himself in Jesus is this God is looking for us. It's like we're lost sheep and he's a good shepherd going out looking for us. It's as if he is a great father. In fact, he's a perfect father. And whether, you know, it's a son or a daughter who's out there wandering around, he is looking for us and ready to welcome us home once again. God loves us. He waits for us. And he he wants to have a relationship with us that's real and personal. And once that happens through Jesus Christ. A whole new reality happens in our lives. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about the third reality. And uh, that third reality is found in our take-home point. And if you're new, you might not know what that is. The take-home point is the one point that I'm going to make from scripture this morning that we want to take home and pray about, not just pray about, but live it out in the week ahead. And here it is. God chooses to work through his people to accomplish his purposes. And I don't want to slide past that this morning. I want to say it a different way so it sinks in a little bit. Here it is. The God of the universe who created the universe out of nothing chooses to work through us, through his people, to accomplish his purposes. Now, I don't know why. I've thought about this a lot. I mean, maybe you have too. Why would the perfect God of the universe use us? It makes no sense. I mean, why not just get her done? You know what I'm saying? If you're God, why would you use people like us, fallible, people that that, that don't, you know, usually get it wrong, that, that we stumble and, and we don't really actually get it 100% right, almost ever. Why would he do that? Well, I think maybe we get a little glimpse of this. If you've ever been a parent and you've had a baby... The baby grows up a little bit and there comes this point and it's between baby and toddler and and what happens is the baby's sitting there and one day the baby stands up. And what does the baby do? Falls right back down on the diaper, right? Falls back down again. Stands up, falls down. Stands up, falls down. But eventually that baby starts to toddle. And actually after the first service this morning somebody said, I need to teach you the biomechanics of walking. And I was like, oh, that sounds boring. I didn't say that out loud, you know, but but it sort of sounded. But the reason we toddle this way, this way, is because when we fall, we fall so we don't fall on our face. I didn't know that. But anyway, you know, who would have figured? But the point is this. The child does toddle around and does, like, hit their face against the coffee table. And they have to grab onto the couch and the chair to move around. But eventually, they start to walk. And then they even start to run. And I I thought about this. Usain Bolt, the fastest man alive, you know, runs 100 meters in less than nine seconds. One day, he was a toddler. So we are sort of like that. God creates us, and we don't get it very well at first. But as we grow up, we, we move forward. And God loves us, and God cares about us. And he gives us the opportunity to do his work in the world. And that work includes feeding hungry people. It includes telling people the good news that Jesus is the Son of God and that He died and rose again for our salvation. It includes being there for people when they're hurting and when they're struggling and praying for the sick and all these different things that God does and we don't get it right the first time. And even when we know what we're doing, we still fall down sometimes. And yet God chooses to work through His people after we come to know Him. In fact, God still... Comforts us, God encourages us. The Apostle Paul says that Jesus, right now at this very moment, is in heaven praying for us. How incredible is that? That the God of the universe uses us. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about where it starts and how it continues. And that's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Before we turn there, though, let's pray together. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and love. We thank you so much. That we have the opportunity right now to experience you, your presence by your Holy Spirit. God, as we open your word this morning, speak to us so that we can know what it is you call us to do. How we are supposed to join you in your work. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17-21. to 21, You can follow along in your Bible or your Bible app, or it will be up on the screen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... be reconciled to God for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God therefore if anyone is in Christ he or she is a new creation that means if we're in Christ Jesus if we have trusted him as Savior and Lord we're new people the very first truth we get from this scripture is to be Jesus follower means to be made new Jesus did not come to make us better Jesus didn't come to rough the edges off a little bit, make us a little smoother than we were. Jesus came to start all over again with us, to create us new from the inside out. Now, I love these words from Paul because I've known from a very early age that I needed it. You see, back in the day, when I say back in the day, back in the 40s and 50s, before I was even born, I was born in the late 50s, whenever you came to church, what usually would happen is the preacher would stand up here, and he would tell you that you were lower than dirt and that you deserved to burn in hell forever. And he would usually point his fingers at you while he was saying it. But then something happened in the 50s and 60s. And what happened is people changed. But I knew when the preacher was pointing his finger at me that he really needed to point his finger at me because there was something wrong with me. I had this, this explosive anger. Most of the time I was a, you know, a fun-loving little kid, but if you cross me, it was bad news. And, and so I knew that what the preachers were saying was true, but I grew up in the 60s and 70s primarily, and the world changed radically in the 60s and 70s, at least America changed radically in the 60s and 70s. What happened is psychologists and a lot of church leaders started to say, we don't need that hell-frying brimstone message anymore. What we need is to be self-actualized. We need positive thinking. We need to have some self-esteem here. And the reality is parents were told not to, you know, correct their kids and not to tell them that they were bad or wrong and certainly never, ever use the S word sin around them. And so as with so many correctives, what happened, the pendulum was way over here and it swung way over to here. And so that has continued to snowball over the last number of decades until we live in this culture where you do you and I do me and anybody does whatever they want and it's all Okay. But I, I realized I was not okay. Until, until we admit that we're not okay, we can't really ever become okay. I mean, there's a reason why it's called good news. It's because there's bad news. We are broken. We are sinful. And we actually do deserve to go to hell. And, and until we recognize our brokenness, the bad news, we can't fill in the good news. And as I said, I realized from an early age, I needed some help. And the reason I can say that is early age, how early? Five. Some of you heard this story before, some of you haven't, but at five years of age, one day I did something wrong again, and my mother sent me to bed without dinner. And so instead of going upstairs to my bedroom, I went upstairs to my dad's bedroom closet, I got his 16-gauge shotgun, put a shell in it, closed it, and I pointed it where I thought my mother was, and I pulled the trigger. I learned something very quickly that day. The first thing I learned was, uh, you shouldn't always express your anger, (laughs) Because there are consequences. I ran down the stairs and I ran down to the basement and I tried to get out of the house because I knew if my mother caught me, <laughs> there were going to be some reckoning. So she caught me and she applied the, seat of, uh, the Board of Education to the seat of learning. And, uh, and I realized, wow, I need some help. The preacher's right. I am going to go to hell because I'm so bad. And if you're sitting there thinking a five-year-old wouldn't ever do something like that, you need to adjust your thinking because I did. And as I uh, thought about it, it took me a while, years actually, seven years later, I stood up in front of Gypsy Christian Church, that's the way they did it in those days, and I professed my faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, because I knew that I needed something radically different, I needed to be different, and, and 2 Corinthians five seventeen made a lot of sense to me, I knew that I needed to be a new creature. And so that day I professed my faith in Jesus. You know, Jesus called it being born again. Paul calls it being created new. And I was created new. But then I had another problem. And here's the problem. I didn't act like I was new. In fact, whenever my brother, you know, did something I didn't like, I I still was the same. But what Paul said, if we read it this morning, he said, after this new creation, it says, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And I wondered, where's the new? I'm still angry. I'm still selfish. I still do the things that I don't want to do in my life. So if I'm really born again, if I'm really a new creation, then why doesn't it seem that way? Well, thankfully, the Apostle Paul told a church in a place called Galatia that here's why. There's just because we are new creations and we are doesn't mean it's over and finished. There's still more work to do. Here's what it says in Galatians 5, 17 and 18. The sinful nature, that's the nature we're born with, wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants, and the Holy Spirit comes in when we're a new creation, when we're born again. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So there's a battle going inside of me and a battle going inside of you if you're born again, if you're a new creation in Jesus Christ. And in that, in that battle, it says, what's happening is we're not free to carry out our good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, You are not under obligation to the law of Moses. So we are new creations. We are. And yet the sinful nature is still struggling for control with the Holy Spirit in our lives. And here's the good news. The good news is when we yield or submit to the Holy Spirit, we receive the power to overcome sin and to participate with God in His work. That's how it works. We get born again or created new. And then the Holy Spirit comes in and the battle starts. And when we submit or yield to the Holy Spirit, we get to participate in God's work in our lives. So having lived that struggle to be the new creation that Jesus created me to be from the time I was 12 until now, which is 50 years, I realized something. It is a battle. And I also realized something else. When the Holy Spirit's in charge, there's nothing better than that. There's no joy like the joy of letting the Holy Spirit work his will in my life. I want you to think about something. The Bible did not originally have chapters and verses. They were added hundreds of years later, but I just gave you two key verses and they both are from 517. 2 Corinthians 517. Anyone's in Christ is a new creation. Galatians 517. There's a battle going on and we can win when the Holy Spirit comes. So when somebody asks you Where does it talk about what happens when Jesus becomes Lord in our life? 2 Corinthians 5.17. Why doesn't it seem like it's real sometimes? Galatians 5.17. There are only 27 books in the New Testament. So just remember 5.17. You'll eventually get to it as you you look it up. Okay, so what is the work that God calls us to do? If we're going to join God in his work, what is the work? And we could answer that question hundreds of different ways. (coughs) Excuse me, but Paul gives us this answer. He says, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So the basic work that God gives us to do is the ministry of reconciliation." What is reconciliation? It's the act of reconciling or bringing back together two parties who disagree, who differ, or who are enemies. The book of Colossians that Paul also wrote tells us that we were all once enemies of God. There was this division because of our turning away from God. And so reconciling first is a reconciliation between God and us. And then there's a reconciliation between us and us, each other. It happens through the power of God working in us. Even when we come to worship and we sing praises to God, what are we doing? We're admitting that we have been reconciled, that we love God now because we are back together in relationship with him. That relationship that's real and personal is ours, but it comes only through the work of Jesus. It's not our effort. We don't get born again or we don't get created anew because of what we do, but because of Jesus living a perfect life, the only perfect human life that was ever lived. And then dying on the cross of Calvary, shedding his innocent blood to pay the penalty we owed, which was the death penalty, so we can have a new life and so that we can join God in his work. We are made new creations. We, we can't do anything that will be of value for his kingdom until we receive that new relationship. In fact, we could say it this way. Another way to say the good news. The good news is Jesus died. He rose again. He returned to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit so we can be new creations through him. Could I have an amen? All right, six of us are in agreement. That's really good. I hope the rest of us will be by the end. So before God can invite us to join him in his work, we have to come to know him personally through his son, Jesus Christ. And then once we have that relationship, he invites us to work ...with him in this ministry of reconciliation. And I love how Paul sums it up. He says it this way. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ... ...be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin... ...who knew no sin... ...so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What is an ambassador? It's simply a person who represents his or her country... ...to another country... And our ambassador doesn't have a will or a purpose of his own or her own. The ambassador represents the will and purpose of their own nation to the, other, to the other nation. In our case, we represent the kingdom of heaven and God himself to the world. That's the work that God gives us to do. It's incredible. And Paul underlined the reality that Jesus, the only one who knew no sin became sin for us so that what can happen? We can know the righteousness of God. And we could put it this way. We become new creations in a moment. That day when I stood up in front of Gypsy Christian Church and confessed Jesus as my Savior and Lord, I was saved. I was a new person. I was a new creation. But the second part of it is, we live into becoming the righteousness of God over a lifetime. God, this is the amazing thing to me. God was willing to be misunderstood because we aren't very good ambassadors. But what he wasn't willing to do was to work through anybody but his ambassadors. In the last 2,000 years, God has appeared to a few people through angels. He has appeared to a few people, relatively speaking, through dreams. But how most people find out about Jesus is because somebody who knows Jesus as Savior and Lord, who is a new creation however imperfectly, shares Jesus in word and action with somebody else, is an ambassador for Jesus Christ. That's what God's work is in the world. So what does that work look like practically? Well, it could look like preaching and teaching and singing praise to God, but that's not how it usually looks. It usually looks like somebody sitting down and talking with somebody who's struggling. It it looks like somebody in the in our family, you know, we're sharing Jesus and his good news with them. It, it, it looks like feeding hungry people around the world in Jesus' name. It looks like celebrating and having fun together. It can look like bringing your children up in the ways of the Lord. All of those are ways that we become ambassadors for Jesus Christ. If you're a student, and I know, I see a lot of students in here today. You know, how do you get to be an ambassador for Jesus at school? It's really simple, not easy, but it's simple by studying diligently, by saying thank you to a teacher or to a security guard or a cafeteria worker, by welcoming one of those students that nobody else wants to welcome to the cafeteria table to your cafeteria table. It's by having a positive attitude when everybody else is grumbling. All of those are ways that we are ambassadors, effective ambassadors for Jesus Christ in our world. So you don't have to move to Cambodia or Africa to be an ambassador for Jesus, although... That could possibly happen too. So, wherever we are, wherever we are, we can represent God's kingdom to those around us once we have become the new creations that Jesus lived, died, rose again, and sent the Holy Spirit to create. What we're going to do for the next four weeks is we're going to talk about okay, now we have this relationship with God. We know He's working around us. We have this relationship, and we know that He's inviting us into His work. So, what is reality four, five, six, and seven? Well, next week, we're going to look at how does God speak to us. I mean, if we're going to join him in his work specifically, we have to know what he's asking us to do. And he speaks to us by the Holy Spirit, through the Bible, through prayer, through our circumstances, and through the church, through other believers. That's how God communicates. Now, once we hear God and we believe that he's telling us to do something through one of those avenues, then what happens, the fifth reality is called a crisis of belief. What does that mean? It doesn't mean I'm wondering if there's really a God or I'm wondering if Jesus is Lord. It means I'm wondering if I'm gonna say yes. Am I actually gonna do what Jesus is asking me to do? That's the crisis of belief. Am I gonna believe Jesus enough that I'm actually gonna do in the power of the Holy Spirit what he created me to do? And when we say yes, we move on to the sixth reality. The sixth reality of experiencing God is we have to make a radical adjustment to align our will with the will of god i want you to think about human ambassadors for a moment let's say we're all preparing we're in ambassador school we're going to be ambassador to spain an ambassador to zimbabwe an ambassador to england i'm going to england because they speak english there okay so we're getting ready in ambassador school what are we going to have to do first thing we're going to have to do if the nation speaks another language we're going to have to learn the language If the nation has other cultural kind of things, which they always do, we're going to have to learn the culture of that nation. We're going to have to learn all these things, and then we're going to have to also know what is the will of the country we represent. What is the will of God? And so we have to make radical adjustments in our lives, which could include learning a new language, moving to a different place learning some different cultural things, swimming upstream against the culture in which we're living. All of those things might have to happen. That's the sixth reality. And then the final reality is this. We decide we're going to make those adjustments, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, we live into it. And so the seventh reality is we actually experience ourselves working with God as we obey Him and live out that ambassadorship that He has given us. A couple weeks ago, I was talking to two pastors, And one of them said something really powerful. He said, the reason so many people today don't have a sense of meaning or purpose is because they have forgotten their why. They don't know why they're here. They don't know the purpose or the meaning of life. And if I don't know my why, I would stand up here. If I didn't know why I was here, I'd probably tell you jokes. I'd tell you my opinions. But I do know why I'm here. So what I'm doing is I'm telling you what the Word of God says So that you can be either, number one, brought into the kingdom of God as a new creation. Or if you're already in the kingdom of God, you can be equipped to go out and share him, to be an ambassador for him in your homes, in your schools, in your workplaces, in the community or wherever he sends us in the world. So God is making his appeal To the world through us. That is just such an incredibly amazing truth. God chooses to work through his people to accomplish his purposes. I want to say that a little more personally. God chooses to work through you. Through you, through you, 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 and, and you. Remember, I did that the first week because Henry Blackaby uses the second person. Pronoun, you. He wants to work through you to accomplish his purposes. And all we have to do, if we want that to happen in our lives, there's only two things we have to do. Number one is we have to let Jesus create us new so we become new people. And then what we have to do is we have to let the Holy Spirit transform us from the inside out so we live out God's will instead of ours. Huh. I said that's all we have to do. That's why we're spending a whole year or investing a whole year talking about Living in God and experiencing God unreserved because it doesn't happen overnight. You know, a toddler doesn't move from being a toddler to being a runner overnight. The toddler walks and toddles and falls and bumps their head and all those kind of things for a while. And then they start to walk normally. And then after they start to walk normally, they can start to maybe, you know, what we would call jog. And eventually they can run. But it's a process of time. And in the same way, our becoming ambassadors for Jesus, it's a process. It's a God-ordained process that lets us accomplish his purposes in the world. So if you're on board and you're in that process, here's the next step. And the reason we have a next step is because if we don't apply what we hear, we'll forget what we hear. But when we apply it, it starts to become part of us. And so here's the next step for this week. I will be available for God to do whatever he wants to do through me this week. Now, I want you to look at that word, whatever. You know, the word whatever means two extremely different things. If you say, will you do this for me? And I go, whatever. What does that mean? It means, no, I'm, I don't care. I'm Whatever, I'm not going to do it. But if, if, if I say to you, are you willing to do whatever, anything that God asks you to do, be available for him this week? See, that's radically different. And here's the question Are you and I ready to do whatever it is that God has for us this week to be His ambassador, to share Him at school, at work, at home, wherever we are? Because if we are, I can tell you this we're in for an incredible week. We're in for an incredible week. And it doesn't matter if the whatever means just going to our neighbor's house and sharing the love of Jesus in a practical way or this week, I guess we get to welcome people into our homes that will be wearing strange costumes and stuff, and we do that in a smile with a smile on our face. That's a way we can do the whatever. Or maybe you hear God say to you this week, I want you to move to Africa. You know, probably most of you are going, I hope that's the person next to me, not me. But, you know, it's possible that he could ask us. Those are the extremes, right? Welcoming a little kid into your house and give him a treat or go move to Africa. Anything in between there is part of the Whatever that can happen when Jesus Christ calls us to be ambassadors and we say yes. God is inviting us to participate in his work. And the only question for us is whether we're going to say yes and do it effectively in the power of the Holy Spirit or not. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your goodness and love. I thank you so much that you trust us. It's it's incredible to me that you do. God, I thank you that even though we, we toddle and fall uh, in every kind of work that you call us to do at first, you still love us and you still work with us and you comfort and encourage us, you give us your Holy Spirit so eventually we can grow up and we can do your work and your will, your way. And today I pray, God, for anybody who does not yet know what it's like to be the new creation that Jesus died and rose again to give us. I pray that right now that they would simply surrender to you and receive that new life. I pray right now, God, that any of us who have done that will re-surrender our will to you and become the ambassadors you created us to be before the foundation of the universe, that we will um, let you live through us and that you will reconcile the world to yourself as you have planned to do. Um, through our efforts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.